All right, welcome in another episode of the Fezzik Focus Pod. We are in week 17 of the NFL season. I don't know how we're going to keep track of these things once the NFL season ends. I guess we'll just say, hey, it's me and Fez. And you'll just have to guess what day it is. We should start numbering them in 2022. Let's do we'll that. Be like, Episode 1, 2022. We'll be like the UFC. We'll be up to like, you know, you. it's it's Fezzik Focus 273. From an island <laughs> somewhere in the South Pacific. That's right. Uh, but we've got some good stuff for you today. Of, of course, right here on this feed, you've been getting loaded down uh, with great Great content. College football podcast was up last night. We got the golf pod. We got the NBA pod with McKenzie. We've got the NCAA basketball pod. Let's start with college sports, though, Fez, because you I was I was worried today because you came in or yesterday you sent a text to our group and said, hey, Texas Tech uh, plus 10, three star hammering it. And I went, shit. Because I already was heavily invested in Mississippi State, minus nine and a half. Along with many others, the line goes all the way up to ten and a half right yeah. before kickoff. So I was I, I was peeved to say the least when the game kicked off last night and they say, Yeah, ten players out for Mississippi State. Like there was uh, every other bowl game that's had that kind of an outbreak has just been canceled. Mm-hmm. Mike Leach, though personal vendetta wanted to get the game played and and why not have a personal vendetta after all he here's the school that told him it was unacceptable to kidnap players and lock them in sheds yeah since when since that's ridiculous where's that where's that in the bylines he is the king that's ridiculous that they apply the ncaa rules to him oh because you got a famous dad now i can't lock you in the tool shed when but either way It's announced right before kickoff. Ten players. That would out. never happen at Penn State. Never. No. Never. Uh, <laughs> I could. There's a joke. I'm just leaving it alone. But this is the frustration, and it's especially. I, I, I'm sure you, you're feeling it some as well. But because I mostly handicap college sports, this is becoming problematic because there's no, you know, cutoff time where you've got to announce your inactives. I, this is basically you You keep it close to the vest, you show up, and whoever's on the field that day, that's who's on the field. And if they're not on the field, oh, they're not on the field. You don't have to say anybody's name. You don't have to – like there's a game t- today between Providence and Seton Hall, and Coach Cooley came out today and said, yep, we got a couple players in protocol, and I'm listening, listening. Don't know. No idea who they are. He's not going to tell us. And it's it makes this – I mean, listen, sports betting is already – it's a it, – I mean, it's a, it's gambling. But it's you, – you at least have an idea of what you know going into the game typically. With this COVID, you're almost flipping coins. I mean, if that. To, to use an example – there's guys who run math models and they incorporate trends and they, they put it all into the engine and spits out what the spread should be. And they bet the difference. Those guys have a place. I'm like, you're betting overnights, you're betting openers. Absolutely. I want to see who your model has and you historically you've won. Um, those guys, if they tell me who they like on game day, don't care. 
I literally I tell, tell people, don't care. Guy doesn't matter. He's got a best bet that's that don't care because you know what? His model's wrong now because his model just got trumped by information on COVID and what players are available, and he doesn't have that information. So guess what? He's going to land on the wrong side of games consistently because if they're going to these line moves are going to be completely inconsistent with what his math model might call for. Now I felt a little bit better knowing that you also were unaware that the, the Mississippi State basically half their team was out with COVID. I'd like to take credit for that one. It, it, it was just I I basically did not buy into the Mike Leach extra motivation um, that the I find it hard to believe that the ten point favorites the team. That like is is going to be ultra motivated, you know, to to circle the wagons and bury a team because their coach, you know, didn't become a gazillionaire and he's only a millionaire. Yes. But when you like when you when the kickoff starts and they say, "Yep, half Mississippi State's team is out." I mean, you've got to feel like you've that's a free roll. Well, forget the free roll. It's let's bet bet more, win more. <laughs> you know, at that at that point, you've got to go ahead and incorporate. You know, and I I mean. How did the line, the live line on that game move? Like, did was it? It was all based upon the closing number of ten. Everything for for the entire game that I saw was based on the closing number of ten. The halftime line, uh, I believe, that Texas Tech was ahead by six, uh, and they were a seven point underdog in the second half. Right where a typical wow. ten point dog should be, you know. And, and people say I'm shouting at the rain. And like, you know, I'll tell you how to win. You don't want to listen to me. Go, 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 go back to what. What was there? There's a line from The Hobbit where they're like, well, we should, you know, some, someone didn't want to face the dragon, so to speak. And like Thorne at one point says, all right, go back to shoveling coal then in the Blue Mountains. You know, yeah. it's like we, we, you want to get treasure, you come with me. Although yeah. maybe that was a little bit more fraught with risk than what typical live wagering is. But 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 the bottom line is <laughs> that's a big bad dragon. Um, the uh, But, you know, there's a famous sports better out there, Alan Boston's name is very talented. He has no idea what he's doing in live wagering. He once said, you know, oh, they charge minus 115 and minus 120. You know, how can you beat that? Well, if you find out eight guys have COVID and they're yeah. not playing, Alan, you can beat that. And you and, and you know what? I mean, hey, I'm, I'm wrong on a whole bunch of things, but I'm not wrong on this. The live wagering, it's like no limit hold. I'm sure, there, I'm sure there's plenty of fossils out there. Not that I'm calling Alan Boston a fossil, but I guess I just did. Um, that... We're like, hey, I'm a great limit poker player. I don't need to learn this no limit. Yes, you do. Jamie Gold and Chris Moneymaker just won the world championship. And there's like all these guys who are buying in for huge amounts in a game that the best players can separate the worst players from their money as quickly as possible. You need to adapt and adjust to win the most money. And having that competence will enable you to do so. All right, and that's why people that's why people should listen to this because Fez is going to give you that competence. Hell, you've given me some. Um, let's let's get into our Fez tale. For our Fez tale today, we will go to Mesquite, Nevada. Mesquite, Nevada. Immediately, my power rating is going to be lowered because Mesquite, <laughs> Nevada is 80 miles from where I live. It's on the border of actually not Utah and Nevada. It's Arizona. And Nevada, if you drive to Salt Lake, you do you drive up I-15, and then you 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 hit Mesquite, then you cut through a swath of Arizona, 15 miles worth, and then you wind up in Utah, go to St. George, and keep going. Um, but Mesquite's on the border; it's a border town, and there's uh, four or five casinos that were independently run for a while. So eh, I like to kick the tires and see what's in Jackpot or Wendover or Mesquite or Prim. I hit them all. 
And so I go there, and it's good. You know, they they old school bookmakers want to balance their action. Well, no one's going to bet Washington when they play Dallas. They're going to bet Dallas, and so you'd have lines that were completely off. I believe that Chris Andrews' cousin, a relative of. It may not be Chris Andrews. It may be a cousin, actually, of the guy that used to run Station. I think maybe Chris told me about this, ran the joint. But uh, it does not matter. The guy who ran it basically wanted to rob his betters blind because he knew they would take the favorites. So he would take NFL lines, literally, that were five, and he'd make them seven. He'd make 10 13s. But the problem was you couldn't bet back the other side, which is a violation of gaming rules. But what are you going to do? You know, you're not gonna exactly going to report them. So we, like... I discovered it, Brad. You can't bet him back at all, or you can't, like, the limits are different. It all depends. So, like, like Brad Powers was out there sometimes. I would go out there, and we'd try to bet. We'd say, hey, I want to play Jacksonville plus 13. Sometimes we'd get it. Sometimes they're like, oh, that line has just changed. Yeah, someone over at Virgin River just bet that game. That that line is 10 now. Sorry, it's no longer 13. (laughs) You can't play that. So then you get frustrated. And then do you say, well, I want the other side minus 10? No, because 10 is the right number. Oh, okay. 13 was the wrong number. And so it becomes cat and mouse game where it's like, all right, I'll wait till they're really busy. And then I'll do, I'll I'll do the old, remember the hard rock story with my, with uh, my, my friend Dick, who went in and played $199 parlay, whatever it takes, you know, but their limits were so low, everything bottom line flagged for approval. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm walking through the place. I mean, Mesquite, you got a collection of characters that rivals that of the bar scene in the original Star Wars, you know, where these guys are just not all there, dreamers and the like. And I see a guy, it's like, wow, that, that guy looks like professional gambler Ron Boyles. Know why? Because it is Ron Boyles. He's just been holed up in Mesquite for a few weeks, doing nothing but accumulating comps and betting all their soft numbers on a nightly basis. So think about this. Ron's like in Vegas. He's got access to every sports book in Vegas, not nearly as good as having access to the one independent sports book, along with, I guess, um, William Hill. There's a William Hill there in Mesquite, Nevada. So he was just holed up, you know, hanging out, paying, paying the bills, making good money in Mesquite, Nevada. And it shows you know, the opportunity. Now, th- those who are listening to me, no doubt will say, well, Fez can't be making that much money. He's got to schlep up to Mesquite, you know. Um, and it really was a situation where I would just, I, uh, I would drive up there like on a Thursday night and come back, you know, on a Friday. So I, it, it just killed me to see some of those numbers. Did you bet enough available. to get the room comped? I never tried to. I, <laughs> I never even tried to get my player's card because, although they did, they kind of demanded it because the, um, once, once they figure out who's betting, that that's that's not good. It's like it would be like you know, poker is a different animal because you're beating people out of the um, other players out of the money. But you know, in retrospect, remember when Phil Ivey beat the casinos out of ten million dollars? Right. Now I get it. There's plenty of degenerate gamblers that like go and play craps and lose their money. Um, the uh, T.J. Cloutier comes to mind. Okay, but you know what? When Phil Ivey's in your ba- is in your your backgammon. Uh, high limit pit and he's betting big it doesn't take a rocket scientist <laughs> maybe you should call someone who knows about these sort of things that we, why is phil ivy suddenly taking such an interest in betting ten thousand hand maybe because he knows the next card's going to be an eight or a nine and he's going to bet on the player you know well uh, where did you where do you stay when you're in mesquite i don't stay i, I drive up there i'll um 
I'll, I'll bang in my bets, and I'll, I'll, you turn right back. And, There's and no Marriott, huh? Um, you stay at one of the casinos. Yeah, I mean, I, actually, there might be a Marriott. There's a great golf course. Wolf Creek is a fantastic golf okay. course. So Wolf Creek is, is, is I'll eat at either the Purple Fez Cafe because of the name, or I will eat at the Virgin River because they have a really, really good prime rib dinner, but that's really bad for me. But um, Remember, no, it's mesquite, great for you. It's mesquite's meat. a fun little, like, like as far as a day trip to go take the family for one for one day. It's not, you know what? There's worse places. There are worse places to see, and, and you're close enough to Brian's Head if you like the snow in the wintertime. That's like two hours away up in Utah, and you go up to a 13,000-foot mountain. So I hear good things, although it's very high altitude, so you can get altitude sickness. Former friend of the show, Matt, um, Took his kids up there and they had to turn around because they all got out to take. They got a hypoxia or apoxia or whatever. Wherever the one is where you're not getting enough oxygen and had to had to turn around like John Krakauer. And actually, he didn't turn around, but so like some of the people John Krakauer wrote about in, in, in his book, Into Thin Air. Let's talk about misinformation and where it's being spread, how it's being spread, and is there anything we can do other than avoid it? It's an epidemic. I have never seen so many podcasts, so many people on social media, so many professional gamblers, and so many people offering expert betting advice that don't bet at all, or bet $10 a game or $20 a game. And not that you have to bet to be an expert, but it certainly helps. It helps to have been part of a betting syndicate. And that would be the best training for everyone out there who wanted to become an expert. I'd say work work for someone for three months. And there's there's a good book on that. Um, The Sharp Money, I believe, is what it's called. Read that book. And they have um, the the author there is a is a professional poker player and gambler. And he talks about what he, he worked for Billy Walters for a while. But just being part of a group betting really will help you get a a different perspective on how people actually make money, sports betting, but all the misinformation out there. So I actually was thinking about this, and I went back. I got this extensive library. This has been going on for 40 years, all right? In 1998, there were two really good poker players, Mason Malmuth and David Sklansky, really good poker players. Almost everything they write on poker is spot on. Um, If you disagree with it, it's like rounding to the decimal point type of differences. And so these guys wrote How to Win 100000 a Year, Gambling. So they talked about other topics. Um, all the rest of the stuff that they talk about that isn't poker is so wrong on so many different <laughs> levels that it's just god awful. And I mean, I'll, and I'll, I'll use an example because I like to give concrete examples. It's 1998. NFL six point teasers are even money. The average NFL total is uh, many of them are well below 40. I think the average is below 40. In fact, many games are lined as low as 34. Oof. So think about that. With the really low total, the variance is pretty small on sure. lots and lots of these games. It was stealing to lay to take eight point the Wong teasers eight down to two and two up to eight, et cetera. So good back then. And even money. I mean, they're minus a dollar twenty. We're still playing them. The average total is forty five. We're still laying minus a dollar twenty and getting it in, you know, with the a little bit of the best of it. But it was even money. And these guys wrote a, two pages on teasers and they said to summarize, it's not a good idea, basically, to play teasers. Why? Because if you played every teaser combination, you'll lose. Well, yeah, but I don't have to play every teaser combination. I don't have to tease plus 16s to plus 22s, and I don't have to tease minus 11s to minus 5s. I can play the good combinations. And what, what really hit home to me about that, it's such a colossal mistake because then Literally, they spend 36 pages talking about how to beat horse racing, 
and how the 20% takeout was, was, was beatable. So think about this. So they conclude randomly playing teasers doesn't win, so we shouldn't play that. Oh, but I, now we can talk about horse racing, and, and that's beatable. And they're right. There are selective ways to beat horse racing, but so much harder than beating teasers. Teasers, you know, sharp fifth grader beats teasers at even money. Sharp first grader. Little Johnny beats teasers. Johnny crushes teasers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at even money? <laughs> <laughs> and even money, he probably could beat like playing every. He literally, if he had to play every game, he probably wouldn't be able to win. But he'd but, have his own mansion in your neighborhood. But, 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 but my my point is, why why does that happen? Because I'm sure Sklansky and Malmuth probably knew one or two guys who made a living betting horses, and they probably didn't know anyone who made a living betting the NFL. Roxy Roxborough, really gifted handicapper, put out all the numbers in Vegas. Everyone would copy the numbers he put out. One of the sharpest guys out there. He once said, "Nobody." Beats the NFL. That's the. That's just ridiculous. Oh, so why are we hiring all these consultants? Now you've said nobody beats the NFL on Sunday. I have said no one laying a dollar ten playing NFL lines on Sunday morning. When I say nobody, there's somebody. Does, sure, but it's really, really difficult to beat that, and so I'm fine with that. But I assure you, people beat the, the NFL. People play the Miami Dolphins plus three and a half. Against the Saints when they close three and a half point favorites. All right, that's a COVID situation, but you get the idea. Yeah. You know, with all these line moves and, and the difference, and, and and this a lot of this was before when Roxy said this. The the, the prevalence of, of prop betting and everything else being out there wasn't there. But um, I mean, there's a, a lot of people had a a period of time where it took them a while to get to to learn how to beat you know sports in the NFL. But um, there were so many different things that were just wrong on every level. I'll use an example. Season wins. When they first got invented, someone would walk to the window and play uh, the Cowboys over seven wins, and they'd make it seven and a half. They'd just move it up a half game. Um, there was one place that let you buy a half point on season wins. Oh, you like the Vikings <laughs> under eight? Well, you can have them under eight and a half, lay a dollar twenty. I mean, there were so many wow. different things like way in the past to take advantage of. So the idea of not being able to beat the NFL, to, and now I, I would say it's the golden age again, with all the legalization throughout the East Coast, throughout all of, of, of the country, there's so many good bets out there that you can play that um, it is, um, I, some of them I can't even talk about. Like like literally there's stuff that like, or we're like minus 350. Is the sun going to come up tomorrow? Yes. Yes. Minus 350. They get to hold your money for three weeks, but uh, certain awards and things like that, that were like pretty much predetermined that this, excuse me, has to happen. Um, that uh, the bottom line is everyone that's good beats the NFL. It's just a matter of how much you're going to beat for the NFL. And that being said, people are like, well, wait, wait a minute. Why aren't you hitting 60%? Why aren't you having a better year? You're up 44 units for the year. That's not that much. Well, a lot of these aren't widely available. All right. Um, they're only at a few books. And like, like you said, it's very difficult to beat the, uh, the, the, the lines, lines. On, on the, 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 the lines on the day of the game look no further. We're talking about that Mississippi state, Texas tech game. Right. There are sharp guys on both sides of that game at 10 minus 10 plus 10. And, you know, th and those are not the games. I mean, yeah, Texas tech won by, you know, 27 points. So it's easy to say, Hey, I had the right side. I had plenty of those games that I'm on the wrong side of that's gambling. That's difficult versus, you know, other ways to make money. <laughs> Now, you say don't fall in love with a guy having a monster year. And, it, like, this is 
this is something that happens a lot. A guy will have one big year and suddenly he's got a Twitter account and that's, that's what he is, is he's his record for one year. Uh, I mean, you could say, I mean, I guess you could say the same thing about someone who has a bad year. Like there's going to be years where, where hell you might even lose betting the NFL. This is, that's no, that that I'm, I'm going to interrupt you there. That no one loses betting. The NFL really knows what they're doing. W- why? Why is that the case? Because they're getting it in so good. If they're doing it right with COVID news, except yep. look, look at the hitman. The hitman will never have a losing year in the NFL. It's preposterous to even suggest that. Might his clients have a losing year? It's possible. He gives out more props than I. So it's very unlikely. But in terms of his own betting. He's betting the Raiders game against the Colts. He's grabbing plus seven and a half because he he gets word about the COVID on Indy. All right. Then the line goes all the way to one and a half. And then he gets word, oh, Carson Wentz, they changed the rules. He might be playing and he's laying one and a half. If you think he's losing when he's taking seven and a half and laying one and a half, you're wrong. I mean, yeah. he's, and, and you're like, well, that's one isolated instance. No, that's that's kind of like what's what Hitman does. That's why Hitman, if there was one guy that I would buy a pregame. All right. I, I, I say this emphatically. I'd buy Hitman over me. The guy is just phenomenal. Now, you might be extremely frustrated because you're like, I can't get any of his picks that he ever gives out. Well, you got to be dedicated to it. That As soon as he gets information, he's going to put it out and it's going to be gone in five minutes. It's going to be gone sometimes in 30 seconds. So if you have a if you're home alone <laughs> and you're ready to bet 24 seven, don't buy me. Buy Hitman. He'll win more than than I do because he's the best at that sort of thing. And literally, I he's the best of anybody that I know throughout the world that, that you know that publicly gives that place. But but you you have said there's going to be people who have a year that's maybe not a a, fo- a fake, but it may may be better than what they really are. Yes, if you look at all these contests, what could be a better strategy? I'll just wait. And take the guy that wins the championship, and if he uses the same name the next year, or I'll I'll start getting his plays. Uh, Hannibal is leading in this in circus. He he's hitting like seventy three percent. I'll just follow Hannibal's plays. You know what? Hannibal, as hard as it is to believe, he's hit seventy three percent year to date. What's my over under and what he'll do the rest of the year against market lines? Fifty-two point four percent. I'll yeah. give him. I'll give him that he can. He can break even. Yeah, you're not saying he sucks. You're no. just saying that it's it's unlikely that he's really a seventy-three percent NFL better because those guys don't exist. Well, they they exist in such small manners. Like I said, I can't find any long term. They don't exist. Yeah, yeah. Long term, I cannot find one public person that plays against market lines. I'm not talking about like bullshit where the line moves and 30 right. and, 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 and two minutes after the line moves or two minutes after the line gets taken off the board, someone puts up, I'm on the, I'm on the Raiders plus seven and a half when the line is, is three. You know what? F you, F you, you know, it's like, thanks for nothing. You tell know, them, that, Fez. you tell them F you. <laughs> I mean, and there's some, and there's a lot of that that goes on. It's like, well, you know, within within one minute, I put the play up. Yeah, right. And it was on the screen. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, show me the ticket. Show me the ticket from any book, and then we can have a conversation. Give me your receipts, pal. Give me, give me. I don't need receipts. I need one receipt. <laughs> you know why? Because it's just. I mean, the the, the 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 you're seeing more and more. Then you hear about everyone has this in pocket. And guess who has it in pocket? The hitman has it in pocket. He's the guy because he's getting the news. That's a famous line from Wall Street. Where Gecko's going to fire Charlie Sheen because Charlie Sheen's following everybody, you know, and Gecko basically says, I need you to stop 
gathering news and start getting me some. So in other words, you've got to be the guy that 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 is the one that's that's delivering the breaking news, not the guy that's telling me who somebody else did deliver the news to. So Hannibal looks like he's safely going to win this thing, circa millions. No. I oh, think he's still he's, in trouble. I think he's going to lose. Okay, how far? At, what's his lead at right now? And if you guys can pull that up, from memory, I think he's only got like a one-game lead. Oh, really? Something like that. So the, go ahead and pull up Circa Millions. We'll get an update on that. It's still phenomenal, and he's done a fantastic job all year long. And the, the, w- one thing that's incredible, not only is he in first place, but his I believe he's tied for second. We'll get all the information. If you can, tied you wanna... for second is correct. Yeah, one-game lead and tied for second. Um, so it looks, I mean, both his, he's going to get paid with both, both of those entries. Yeah. But here's the problem. Only one guy gets paid. The first prize is a mill, 1 million, one big stick. Second prize is 350. And I think third prize is 250. You see the problem is not winner take all, but winner gets a whole it's the lion's share. They get more than second, third, and the second through fifth pays about the same as first. So you really have to win. And I, and judging from what I see from Hannibal, we'll talk about this after the game ends. I don't think he's going to win. Okay. I now, and I'll explain why after the tournament is over. And I know I get it. Everyone's like, well, Fezzik, you're eight games behind Hannibal. How can you be critiquing him? It's like, yeah, you know what? And, and Alan Cunningham trailed Jamie Gold in the World Series of Poker and got eliminated by Jamie Gold. It doesn't make Jamie Gold the better player. It doesn't make him the worst player. Um, A lot of it just depends how well you run. But I can tell you from what I see from Hannibal's, and I've been following his selections, is obviously he's done a tremendous job. But here's why why he's going to lose. Because like the captain of the Titanic that steamed along for 25 years and has never hit an iceberg, Hannibal is not looking enough for icebergs. And one's going to hit him. Okay. That's what I predict happens. And I'll explain what the iceberg is and what I believe he is doing wrong for a guy that has been God and has been 10 times better than me um, year to date. So you have, do you have two entries in this thing? I do. And you I, are, I, I have three. And have you, three. but the two that matter, you're in 80th and 144th. Is that right? Yeah. So my game out of the money, top 50 get paid. Think about it, only 50 out of 4,000. Imagine the World Series of Poker. They pay the top 10%. So the top 400 make the money out of 4,000. You're going to be like the top 1% to make yeah. the money in this in this game. That is, that's a tough road. They got to change that. They got to pay, you know, I, I know. But they I think them. when first prize is the million and like, unless they really up the entry fee. And you put in the quarterly prizes and the booby yeah. prizes. And, you know, and by the way, you know, talking about misinformation, there's a guy out there, supposedly a sharp guy. And he goes, he's at 60% year to date. And so it's the second half of the year starts, he goes one and four. Terrible week, all right? And he got advised that he should go for the booby prize, which is 25 lousy thousand dollars. I know that sounds like a lot of money, but that's only there's only one booby prize at the end of the third yeah. quarter. The prize fund is millions of dollars. You're you're still at like he was still at 57%. So he went for the booby prize and he won it. Kudos to him. He did a great job picking games and he went 18 and two. But here's the problem. It went, went two and 18. Right. Yeah. If he had flipped it around and actually kept trying to win the contest, he would be in the money and he'd be competing for all these really, really big prizes where he could win, you know, six figures. And guess what? There's only one booby prize. So he could have easily tried for the booby prize instead of going two and 18. He could have gone four and 16 
and gotten nothing, and now he's dead. He's eliminated from everything. Whereas if he won 16 and four the other way, yeah, then he's still massively, he's in the money already, and he's in contention for a big prize. It's just wrong on every level. If you did Monte Carlo simulations, et cetera, of a 56% picker in a contest, it's just, I'm convinced. Literally, he tossed away 70% of his equity, and at least, and yet he's being glorified as being a sharp because he actually <laughs> won the booby prize, which... Should have been, and it should be condemnation. So it just drives me crazy. So your current standings: one game out of the money, and then two games out of the money. I yeah. assume. Yes. And then that's in the circa millions on the Westgate. Westgate has different um, uh, deadlines and mm-hmm. different point spreads, and I'm not doing nearly as well. I don't even know what my standings are. I'm not in contention in the Westgate, and a big part of that is the line moves that happened between 3 p.m. the circa deadline and 11 p.m. this year have not exactly been deadly specifically i think every every goddamn arizona cardinal game yeah the line moves been wrong look at look most recently look at what the the cardinals do against indy when they close you know as a 3.2 point favorite and yeah. they lose out right yeah. yeah cardinals pick them sorry Thank you for playing. So at this point, you're right outside the money. Are you, is your basic strategy the same as, it, as it's been all season? No. I have to start thinking more about making up some ground. Even though you're only one game out of the money. Even if I get in the money, it's now, peanuts. It's crap. But it's it's a positive EV on what you what you entered with, right? Screw that. It's got, I mean, I've got I mean, I got to evaluate how much my my stuff is worth. So as an example, let's say there were five games. Let's say there were ten games. And every game went from... Picked a minus the Bengals went from minus three to minus seven. Well, take the Bengals ten times, right? And I'm going to win seventy percent of this game. Well, everyone else is going to win seventy percent. Also, I'm not going to make up. That was us with the Dolphins this week. Yes, yes. So plays like that. Now maybe it's so good, like the Bengals. I have to play it because it's just so good, um, at least until the last week. But now I got to start thinking about select games, like when the Falcons go from five and a half to seven. All right, maybe I don't play Atlanta against Detroit. Maybe I leave it off the card. Hell, maybe I play Detroit plus five and a half if I get desperate enough and just look to pick up the game on three quarters of the field. And that certainly comes into consideration. I'd much prefer not putting all my eggs in one basket and just leaving the game off the card than actually going oppo because I'm now I'm putting a 43% bet on my card. That's yeah. That's a tough road to, to hoe, but but I'll do it if if it's the only way. I think I I I can substantially get the money, and I don't want fiftieth place. That doesn't pay very much. I want to try to get to twenty fifth. And you obviously will treat the game the the treat the card that's two games out differently than the one that's one card yeah, one the game one out of the money. Exactly right. The one that's I'll probably not have any duplication of the picks, and the one that's two games out. I got to get really creative and really what I want to do ideally find like a nine point underdog that I really like and they deal eight on. So I'm only getting plus eight. Who cares? It's not going to land eight or nine. Right. But not many people are going to take it because it's a bad number. Uh, all right. You've played blackjack with me. <laughs> I have. Yeah. Uh, tell me why I'm horrible and how why I don't know. Well, you're playing five dollars. Five. This isn't five dollar minimum betters. So oh, thank you. Just, just having played, I, I took time to play a few blackjack. By the way, games. I refuse to play five dollar blackjack. Mm. I, it, that is, it's the worst. Like you, you can't. I don't think you, it, people at the table will cost you money when you play five dollar well, blackjack. It, here's why they cost you money. The, it seems like they're always making the wrong decision and it screws you. But it's just as likely to help you as it is to screw. That's not why they're costing you money. They're costing you money because they take so long to play their hands that the play. It, you're only getting in 40 hands an hour instead of 90 hands an hour heads up by an example. Right. 
So that's really why they cost a pro. Um, you're just not getting enough hands per hour. Um, but you can blend in a little. But ideally, I tell you what, players really help you. When you're playing high limit blackjack, if you're playing like at a double deck and you got a couple other players playing and instead of heads up, now the heads up game, you make more money than playing um, with one other person or two other people at the table because you get more hands per hour. But the beauty is, let's say the count goes negative. Now, I mean, I'm getting texts all the time. Mackenzie's sending me chess texts. Brad doesn't text me very often. He's just betting his hockey and making his money privately. But the, you get the idea. I'm getting a whole bunch of I, I, real reasons to get up from the table. I'm not faking it to check my texts, sure. my emails, whatever. Well, why not do it when the count's are real negative? <laughs> and the poor other guy just gets slapped around with a little card. <laughs> it's no concern of mine, um, but you see how that can help. I can, I can effectively shuffle away. I, I think I can – so you can beat blackjack flat betting. You never have to vary your bet if you're just very aggressive at – Getting up at the right time. Always getting up on every negative count. Then you come back and the guy's like, oh, deck's deck. gone cold. But even when, the, <laughs> even when the deck's, I mean, even when the deck's bad, we're talking about you being, in, you're like a minus a half percent disadvantage. Now you're like a minus two percent disadvantage. So like when you sit down, when you sit down with a guy who's been getting his ass whooped and he says, oh, you don't want to sit here. You actually do want to sit I, there. Well, I don't, I don't care. But if I, if I, if I, if they allow mid, all things being equal, if they allow a, a mid shoe, you know, for me to come in, and if I if I sit down on a double deck, the guy's like, ah, oh, this dealer just rolled like just made four consecutive hands, you know, this dealer never busts. Well, well, that means it's probably ripping fives and sixes out of that deck. Exactly. So it's probably a good time to be sitting down. I, and in fact. Like, people like to chip up when they're winning. Like, after a black deck, they like to increase their bet. Well, that's the worst possible time. You just took a 10 and an ace out of the deck, you know? There's only eight of those aces in a double deck. Yeah. Um, you get back-to-back black jacks, that's probably the worst time to go ahead and up your bet, and that's pr- what the average person does. They want to ride the streak and put more money out. And you also have listed here that poker players also horrendous. You know, poker players— <laughs> Sorry, McKenzie. I, I, I've never seen, like, so many poker players that are smarter than the average bear and smarter than the tourists, so hypercritical of other players, but not realizing that they're not very good, you know? And, and the, the one thing, I, I don't talk that much at a poker table, but the one time I do talk is when I've got the poker bully at the table, like at a 1-3 or a 2-5 game, and usually I'll play 2-5, but if there's not a 2-5, I don't like to not be playing, so I'll just, I'll just sit in a 1-3 and it's entertaining. And I And all the time I'll hear people... You know, so condescending. Someone draws out on a flush. They're like, "Nice hand, sir." Like, like, like. You know what? Why not just say you're an idiot? You're an idiot. Is what is what, that's what the translation is. Mackenzie, how many times did you would you hear like like a semi pro, not that good player, say it exactly like I said it? Yeah, they give the knock. They give the little knock, knock. Like, hey, man, good. You played it. You played it well. You lost the minimum. Knock, knock. As, as they're texting their buddies, I have this complete moron at my table in C four. I'm gonna bust his ass. And and the bottom line is, you know, sometimes these guys will be like they'll actually be critical, you know, tell people how tell the tourists how bad they're playing when they're, the tourist is winning. That's the ideal situation. Here's a guy. Don't tell him. Make it having a good time, making some money. God bless him. Hopefully, he walks away a winner. Keeps coming back and playing. Why would you discourage him? Why would you make fun of someone like that? And like when a guy does that to a tourist. I will give him a hard time. I will ride his ass where I'll say, you know, I'm confused. Because you're chasing money off the table. Well, and, and also just it's bad in general. It's, it's like I'm in terms of being a poker ambassador. And I would, I'll look at the guy and I'll say, you know, I'm confused. Yeah, I don't recognize you. And he's like, what? And I said, well, I've watched the World Series of Poker. 
you know, the main event and the final tables, and I've never seen you. Obviously, you're a tremendous player. I don't know why that would be. Huh. You must have run really bad in those big tournaments because I haven't seen you ever. Just bad luck at the end. Yeah. Bad luck at the yeah. end. In other words, yeah, you're a decent poker player. You're playing 2-5. You're not any good unless you happen to be Huck Seed, who did for a while play 2-5. Um, I know because I had a couple of buddies that played with Huck Seed, and they thought that was pretty cool. And he turned world. out he's pretty good. Yeah, he's former <laughs> world champion. He's very, from all accounts, very I'll... good poker player. Probably was just like – Probably there were some other financial situation issues going on. I think if I ever sat down at a two-five table and I was like, "Oh, there's Huck Seed," I would just leave. I'd, you know, well, but, tip but, the hat and, and walk away. But how much would you pay to like? Maybe, maybe I go one, you know, one rotation. What with if him? Ben Affleck was at your table? Go, go, oh, Ben, Affleck, that's different. Well, isn't it kind of cool? Just that a world. Wouldn't you like to play with Johnny Chan? I mean, just, uh, not, not really Phil Johnny Helmuth? Chan, no. Or, or Phil Helmuth? I, again, what? I might like to play a rotation and say, "Yep, I played a rotation. I played some played some poker with those guys." Ben Affleck, yeah, I, I'll, I'll play with you. You know, him. I played. Oh God, what's her, what is her name? Um, Jennifer Jennifer Tilly. I haven't played with Jennifer Tilly, but you know, by the way, she was like I. Jennifer Tilly, when she was younger, was just. Unbelievable! I think she was on Hill Street Blues. I the, think the voice has always thrown me off. Yeah, I, 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 what voice? Um, <laughs> but and and Bride of Chucky. She Say it with your chest. She should have won multiple multiple awards for Bride of Chucky. She was so good. In that, that was a fan. That was a great film. If if you didn't like that, you just you, you just don't appreciate you know great cinematography. Cinema. That's yeah. right. Um, but uh, no, uh, Jennifer Harmon. I played with, and she was just an absolute joy to play with. She's a fantastic lady, and um, if. If you ever wanted to go back, there's certain hands I, I I look back on. There's a hand where Jennifer Harmon just query Jennifer Harmon loses to straight flush, and she loses to a pretty good poker player who get, makes a straight flush, and the guy is completely outclassed by her, but he hits his 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 one outer to make a straight flush, <laughs> <laughs> just and then slow rolls her on top of it. Oh, that's the sweetest. Oh God, that is. But the best video ever. If uh, query Mike Manisell, Ace King loses to Ace Queen in the World Series of Poker. That I, I, have you ever? Seen I think that? I've seen that. Yeah. Where, where uh, so so a, a queen and a queen only would knock Manisell out of the, the 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 main event. Oh, it's the queen! <laughs> no! <laughs> what did I do to deserve this? Oh, all Manisell right. out. That will do it for week seventeen. We'll call it. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure that out down the road. We're gonna go Fez Focus number. 27 eventually, but Fez Focus number 17 right here on RJ Bell's Dream Preview feed. Subscribe, subscribe. Later on tonight, we're going to be doing the main Dream Pod where we're going to go through every NFL game and pray to God that COVID doesn't ravage them. It will. It you know, the will. numbers, everyone be careful out there. The numbers are just ab- absolutely um, have gone crazy. Fortunately, Omicron is not, appears to be not nearly as dangerous as some other strains, but but still, this is if 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 you're if you're on the fence and you've been thinking about getting vaccinated and you've been waiting, you're probably going to catch this thing if you're out and about and you don't get vaccinated. It's the numbers have gone through the roof and it's just more contagious. Fez, always appreciate the time, man. We will uh, we'll talk to you tonight when we do the big pod. Thank you to McKenzie. Thank you to Brad. And thank you to all of you guys who have been listening to this Fezic Focus. I've gotten nothing but good feedback on it. So uh, appreciate all of you as well. And we will talk to you guys next week.